Hey y'all, this is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started. Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast where we keep our emotions under check and not lose our head over any perceived slights. I'm your host, Benny, and I'm joined today by my fellow co-hosts, Mayank. Hey, everyone. And Nish. Hello, everyone. Our fourth wheel, Himanish, is still missing from action, but have no fear. He's doing all right and will be back on the show very soon. Now, this week, we are switching up and going back to our roots. No special guests, just your humble podcast hosts talking some cricket. We do have lots to talk about. It's been just under a week since India's famous Lords win against England, a match that for all intents and purposes, England should have won after the dismissal of Rishabh Pant on the morning of the fifth day. All that has happened since then will live long in everyone's memory and video packages for years to come. So in this episode, we are going to focus on the role of emotions during a game of cricket and talk about some memorable instances in international cricket where games took a heated turn after players lost their cool. Uh, But first, let's talk about the match itself and the incident that inspired this episode. Now, I I know that our listeners cannot uh, see this right now, but I am wearing like an India Jersey uh, 2015 woke up edition because I was feeling very, um, what's the word? Feeling very Indian cricket fan happy, you know, whatever that mood is called. Um, because this has been a great year for uh, Indian test cricket fans, I guess, let's say it. Um, you know, the GABA win earlier this year itself was something that we can talk about for years and years to come. And then we get this Lord's win. It was super special. Uh, Mike, what, what was what, what is your feeling at that end of the game after all that happened in the context of all the chatter going into the game and then just India's position, uh, you know, on the fourth day and fifth day, what are your immediate thoughts after the win? So I was, my mind was going back to the GABA and I was thinking, you know, when we pulled that off, I had no doubt whatsoever that that was a fluke because that is not a game that you win you know, 99 out of 100 times and we're seeing the exception. And I think, you know, various people, various great writers have come out with statistics showing, you know, we were, there was chance innings, we had some luck and this and that and and all of that, which sort of proves that. But uh, when we won this, that's when I was thinking, well, this is what Australia of, you know, the dominating Australia under Ricky Ponting used to do. Like in 2003 World Cup, they would be, eight down for, I don't know, 114 or something. And Andy Bickle out of nowhere would score runs and win them games. And, you know, it was just that sort of, uh, it, it just somehow cl- things clicked. And I think that's where this Indian team is right now, which is not to take anything away from their skills. They're obviously incredibly skilled, just like that Australian team. And which is why they're able to pull off these victories. But to do it twice in six months, uh, pull off, you know, unimaginable victories, it's, it's just an incredible feeling. I, I can see why you're wearing that jersey. That high is definitely, <laughs> that high is definitely very common amongst all Indian fans right now. And 
yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy. And I, I was telling uh, Nish earlier too that I haven't worn this in so many years, but I, I felt like this was a good occasion because, I mean, let's face it, Indian cricket rides a lot on emotion, right? Rides a lot on emotion among cricketers, rides a lot on emotion among fans. And there, it's a special feeling when India wins. Well, even when they lose, but a different kind, but especially when they win and they win in such a dramatic fashion, right? It was not just, it was not like a, clinical victory it was not like I mean yes in the end it was but fourth day they were just ahead by was it 161 runs or 67 um eight wickets down right and I I was pretty much you know at that point thinking okay England are going to chase this down it's it reminds me of the World Test Championship final and now we are you know we have to think about the next test okay what kind of changes can India make and then, of course, they go ahead and do something like this. So, Nish, what were your thoughts during that partnership of uh, between Jasprit Bumrah and Mohamed Shami? Yeah, um, I think when I set my alarm for 5.30, um, I woke up groggily and, you know, through, my, through the corner of my eyes, I was like, you know, keeping up with the game with not much hope, right? And then when Punt got out pretty soon thereafter, I kind of like went back to sleep, to be honest. And 30 minutes passed. And then, you know, you know how we in the East Coast wake up intermittently during an early morning game, right? And then we kind of like click uh, below or, you know, like quick and forward to just keep ourselves updated. But then as every, you know, five minutes, I kept taking the scores, you know, um, Bumra and Shami, they were like, you know, battling it out. I, at that time, I was only watching quick and forward. I didn't have the willpower to like get onto Willow yet. So <laughs> soon thereafter, I moved to Willow one hour after that partnership uh, stuck through. And, you know, it's, it's, it's quite surreal. Like, that sort of like rear guard action, it, it was, you know, um, quite, un, I wouldn't say unheard of, but with this Kohli team, you always get that. But whether it is successful or not, it's, you know, often it's not, right? And Bumrah and Shami, let's, let's, be, let's be clear, right? No matter how much they put their effort in, that's, it's not their expertise. And, you know, they're not known for their batting or, uh, you know, digging deep into, with the bat, right? So it was amazing to see. And then after that, uh, man, it's, it was, it was, I had a busy morning too with a bunch of meetings. So I had to like put myself on mute on a bunch of meetings and intermittently follow the cricket, but uh, it was amazing. I think uh, when at the end of GABA, when we talked about uh, India's chances in England, I think we talked in our WhatsApp group or on Twitter or somewhere, we talked about how with this bowling attack, we can definitely give England a good run for their money. Right. And perhaps even come out winning games. Right. But I was hoping it would be more comfortable, but this one was like, completely out of the blue right like everybody even the winners whatever they had pointed directly to england success nine times our friend england would have won this game right this reminded me of the game i, I don't remember which year it was when um sri lanka got all out or were de- declared or uh, england declared and then let sri lanka in with like completely rain damaged match and then uh sri lanka crumbled in the final uh sessions few sessions or few hours of play i don't know if my anchor 2015 or 16 i think yeah that's right yeah so though it wasn't that dramatic of a collapse it was very reminiscent of that performance right and our bowlers were like hitting those lines and lengths like with remarkable accuracy with with all due respect to england the english team but i mean let's accept the fact that they're obviously not in the best of form i mean joe root is pretty much the only capable batsman in that lineup like when it comes to test cricket um, so obviously we had to put everything in context, uh, and it was always going to be hard with a fired up Indian bowling attack and an Indian captain. Um, they were always up against it. And right from that first ball that was bowled to Burns, it is almost like with that first ball, the whole English batting lineup were like, okay, we're going to have a terrible yeah. time. And, uh, it was just a, a mess. Uh, so, I mean, we have to keep that in context, which is why I'm like curious what you guys think. Um, because GABA Lords, I was trying to think which was more special. And I had tweeted this after the game that the GABA still is a little, just a little more special just because it was like the series decider and GABA was this fortress, the so-called fortress. There was a lot of chatter before the game with Tim Payne saying, you know, see you at the GABA and all of that. And then just that context where they had to chase a pretty tall total and we won it in such dramatic fashion. So I, I still feel that's a little bit more special. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I agree with you there. I think I don't want to be swept, swept away by some recency bias here. I think the Gabo is still better uh, given the build-up and the understrength India side that played there right here. I think this is our first choice bowling 11 and we would have brought down better batsmen than Sibley and Burns and whoever else for in the procession. So yeah, I agree with you. Gabo is better, but this was uh, still right up there like Virat Kohli said. Hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, in terms of, it's almost like, you know, you try to look at unforced errors by the opposition. And at the Gaba, there were probably a couple of drop catches, but really that's about it. And let's not forget when we started that test, we were like, yeah, we're just happy if we compete because they have thousand wickets in their lineup and we have what, 40 wickets or I don't even remember. I think it was less than 40 probably. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, probably less than that. And, you know, Mohammad Siraj was our more, most experienced bowler in that test. So um, I think that from that perspective, the GABA was very, very special. And I think definitely this is the Lord's, it's a remarkable win that bowling in the sec- last two sessions was incredible, no doubt whatsoever. But it, it does come down to that partnership and what England allowed. And I was reading a lot about that partnership and England's strategies and What's amazing is I looked at the highlights again and again to sort of look, understand their field positions and what they did for Bumrah and Shami and just free Bumrah, who right now he averages five because of his not out, but before that he averaged three and a half. <laughs> but either way, it's not a respectable test average. And he walked in and within the first 10 balls, he was batting without any slips. The field was spread uh, when the lead was 170 odd. Um, and then even if you look at the overall partnership of 89, I believe, 45 of them were singles and doubles. Uh, and mm-hmm. to allow number 10 and 11 who are, or number nine and 10 in this case, uh, who were who are not, you know, anywhere remotely, you know, substantial with the bat, that many singles and doubles just shows that they let the game drift. So, and in that context, like the GABA was a much tougher fight because the bowlers were spot on, their plans were great, their execution was awesome. There were a couple of drop catches, but really that's all we can say from, you know, good luck for India's perspective. Yeah. Right. And to add on to that, right. Um, I think uh, Joe Root spoke to the BBC right after the game and he said, uh, these tailenders score in unusual areas. Like I know, and I know that's usually the case, but in, in this scenario, it felt like a little, like a, a blanket excuse, right? Because I don't think they really scored in unusual areas until you push the, like, the field, like uh, Mayang just mentioned, right? 10 balls after a tailender coming in and you move the field means I don't think you can use that excuse legitimately in this scenario. Um, you, you know, we'll, we'll, we probably have to do a whole episode on the Gabba win at a much later date because, I mean, like thinking back to it, like how did India win that game? Like I'm thinking of the bowlers. We had Natrajan, Sundar. Uh, these are not like test match ready yet. You know, they're still raw. We uh, India beat an Australian side, you know, that had Warner, Smith, um, their full strength bowling attack. So, yeah, one day we'll, we'll do a whole episode on that. But coming to, you know, the theme of this particular episode, right? Like emotions. Now, a lot has been said, a lot has been written about behavior of players on the field. And of course, it always goes back to that old adage that cricket is this gentleman's game. And there's always this back and forth, you know, uh, almost like pushback that whenever players show any kind of emotion, uh, you know, there's always this, oh, you know, I remember the good old days when India had Rahul Dravid and Sachin Tendulkar and they were like gentlemen and it, it kickstarts this whole debate, but it's, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, players are humans. You can't expect them to go and do like, you know, play in a robotic fashion. So obviously emotions play such a huge impact. Uh, I mean, keeping control of emotions, uh, let's put it that way, plays such a huge role. Uh, And we're going to talk about a few incidents like that, but let's talk about, let's start with, you know, the Lord's game itself. A lot has been written and said about the fact that, you know, England were too focused on dishing out revenge, you know, because Jesper Bumrah targeted J- uh, James Anderson when um, it was bowling to him on the evening of the third day, right? And I think it was like an over or over and a half. Um, he, was, he was bowling short to him and there were quite a few no balls. So, I mean, I will admit, I thought initially that he was intentionally bowling no balls, uh, but now looking back, that sounds ridiculous. Uh, but 
all of that to say, you know, the English bowler, the English team took it upon themselves to almost avenge uh, that, that insult. And I don't know if you guys watched uh, Ravi Ashwin's YouTube chat uh, with uh, Sridhar, was it? Uh, about, yeah. you know, Jimmy Anderson's telling Bumrah that uh, how can you, you, you are bowling faster to me than you did to, you know, the specialist batsman. Uh, now, how much of that is true, I don't know. But the fact is, on fifth day morning, England had India on their robes. And what followed for about two hours was just head scratching stuff for fans, for commentators, everyone just wondering what is what what is the England team trying to do here? And are they carrying it on for too long? Uh, but as Indian fans, I'm not going to complain. We watched some really good shots by Shami. I was just impressed because I was expecting him to just swing his bat around. But he showed some classic, classic strokes. Uh, but let's start with that question, though, uh, because now everything is being put down to that fifth day morning. I feel like we're forgetting all of the good work done by the Indian team in the lead up to the fifth day morning. So how much do you think that particular incident uh, or that passage of play on the fifth day morning really influenced the game? I, I think I think it definitely did. Um, and I, I think we both Nish also said the same thing that the field set um, and those things on the fifth day were very, very strange because if I understand the idea of, you know, softening up a tail ender or even a batsman with a bunch of bouncers and then bowling a yorker to, or, you know, uh, making them drive all of a sudden and they don't have the footwork, get caught in the slip. Like those are strategies that have been used over and over and over again, and they're successful. That's why they're used. But um, looking at the highlights, looking at the data, it's just clear that they did not uh, really use that as strategy. It was almost like, pull it into their chest, bowl a few bouncers, um, you know, just trouble them and get them out. And then that along with the odd boundary with whenever Bumrah hit an odd square cut for a bouncer for a square cut for four, they decided to spread the field. And um, so I think all of that tells me that there definitely was some sort of, uh, you know, hangover of whatever happened on day three, which led to those plans. Um, because in no other circumstances have I seen England not use their, you know, maybe like if James Anderson was, um, you know, tired, still they would have like Sam Curran, somebody who can really swing the ball, have those strategies, bring the slips in for their tail. Like I've, I don't remember the last time I saw them trying to bounce an opposition tail out. So I think it definitely was an effect of that. But again, we're speculating from the outside and, Root tried to deny it, saying, no, it wasn't really against the plan. But that field, uh, if, it, if it's just a you know, couple of overs where that happened, it's a different situation. It happened for a couple of hours. So I, I definitely think there was you know, that uh, uh, sort of hangover of day three and whatever bitterness between Anderson and, and Bumrah. And they went after Bumrah. Every time I replay that event in my head, all I can think of is... Um, I don't know, I'm sure our, our audience has, many must have seen the last dance, right? And then there's a meme where Michael Jordan sits and he looks at his iPad and he's like, and I, I took it I personally. personally, right? Like that, that's all I can think of, right? Like yeah. all 11 of Indian players took it personally, right? So, and look, I don't know if like, if verbals or, you know, emotions equals results, but in this scenario, it definitely equated that, right? I, I don't know if that's uh, a universal truth, probably not because it's not backed by science or anything. But in this scenario, for sure, like, you know, I think even Ian Bishop tweeted, right? Like, Bumrah this fired up is, I don't think I have seen that fired up either, right? Like, he knows his skills so that, you know, he just, like, delivers the results come in India's favor or his favor, and then he goes about his business, right? He doesn't emote as much for every wicket. In in, in this match, every wicket was a celebration or, like, you know, a big event, right? Which was very unusual and amazing to see. And, yeah, England messed up. I think it's going to be really, really difficult for them to come back from this if I'm jumping ahead. Uh, yeah, I know last year, uh, last tour, similar scenarios happened and he kind of like bottled it after Sir Alistair Cook showed, us, showed up and, you know, did his magic. But Thanks, um, I really, Thank really don't. Thank you so don't. much for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gentle reminder, right? We need that for us uh, before we get carried away with jerseys and stuff like you do. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I didn't realize we we're taking shots at each other. I guess that's when we get fired up. He's, I'm he's kidding, like, guys. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but but um, I mean, honestly speaking, I, I do agree. Like I don't, I think uh, Bumrah has always been like a little away from criticism. Not to say he's never been criticized. Obviously, 2017 Champions Trophy, he bowled that no ball, and India ended up losing after the batsman scored runs. But you know, apart from that odd situation, he's never really had a you know a string of bad games, and and I think that was starting to happen in 2020. And uh, that's why you saw his tweet also saying, you know, I, I can't remember the exact words, but he said, still don't need you or something like that. And after the first test when he bowled really well. Um, and I think that was sort of a reaction to all the fans who were criticizing him after the WTC final and, and so on. So it, it seems like there's there was already some fire in his belly or for whatever reason. And um, add to that, whatever England did, that only, you know, added his added to his um, you know energy and, uh, and obviously like from an execution perspective it was not that he was off at any point honestly in 2020 he was spot on it was just you know not getting wickets for whatever reasons um but yeah that execution was again top class and this time he was reaping rewards i mean that raises an important point though because we're talking about how emotions can cloud your judgment and kind of take you off track from what you're supposed to be implementing on the field. So we are talking about England who got carried away because, you know, they had this mentality where, oh, how dare they do this to our, our revered fast bowler, uh, Jimmy Anderson. So let's dish it back to these tailenders who averaged three and I don't know how much Shami averages, but I'm pretty sure it's not a lot. How much was it again? 11. 11. So yeah, let's, let's dish it out to these batsmen who averaged three and 11 and so that's an example of where, you know, you could say emotions led them astray, but then you, on the flip side, you see in the Indian team where they got fired up and their emotions probably helped them charge, charge up, you know, like it almost seemed like that was the trigger for them. Like, you know, KL Rahul said after the, the match that if you come at one of us, you will have everyone coming at you. Um, and, and again, like we're going to talk about this, there have been other incidents where like one incident against a player and then everyone just gets fired up. So it can go both ways, right? Emotions don't necessarily need to be a negative thing. It can either right. pull you down or it can really fire you up where everything is now crystallized and you know exactly what you need to do. I'm just fascinated by how this cuts both ways. Yeah, and I think Kohli is a great example of that because if you remember in his initial part of his test career, bowlers would talk to him they would chirp at him he would talk back and uh, you know he slowly started to earn people's respect with a spectacular 2014 tour of australia then you know doing reasonably reasonably well elsewhere as well and then obviously being you know magnificent in home and and players sort of started realizing that it's probably best if we leave him alone because he kind of enjoys this challenge so i think it's to each his own but at the same time i think we shouldn't get too carried away with one result in, in the sense that maybe like all this verbal talk and all of this helps England as well. It just did not on day five. Uh, and, you know, that's also very likely. I think the sample size of that is just really small of us saying that's, you know, that's the case, but it, it definitely felt like it did not help them. And if you look, if you zoom in on that, you know, highly charged environment on day five, right? Even India created like two chances and Rohit Sharma dropped a slips, you know, at slips and Kohli dropped it in the slip as well, right? So that could be an outcome of neg- emotions, quote unquote, um, negatively affecting them, right? So it's not all just because the end result was meant in our favor doesn't mean that, you know, it vibed the same way with everyone is what I'm trying to get at. No, that's, that's spot on. And that's exactly what I was thinking because it's hard to say if it was emotions that made Kohli or Rohit drop that catch. And that is why, like, we can't really say that for sure. But yeah, when your plans go completely off, then I think we can say to some extent with some you know, sense of confidence that that was the case. So yeah, I, I do agree that you know, it's, it's one of those scenarios where we can say that in hindsight, we can say that based on the result, but it's not obvious. Sometimes maybe James Anderson bowled actually better. Uh, you know, there might be a case where you might be pumped and he bowled better and just did not get the wickets. Um, I don't think it was the case on day five, but that could also happen. Yeah, and but... Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. And to add to that, right, there is there there is a breed of elite athletes um, across sports who do feed off of these adverse situations, right? We have Cristiano Ronaldo in soccer, right? Like if you go and try to like poke the bear that he is, you know, invariably it'll cost your team, right? That is almost always a given, right? So 
then in cricket i can think of you know shane warne in his prime right like you don't want to like have a bunch of like bubbles with shane warne as well like he or ricky ponting for that matter and you know michael jordan going back to that documentary and his performance right these guys actively look for you know people who want to like get on get under their skin right because they're just like that's their launching pad and they go off that and show opponents where some people like you know for i messi for example right he hardly says a word but he still delivers damage so i don't know i digress here but it's a very uh, fuzzy topic and to say one way or the other with any sort of certainty is you know it's not reasonable i would say well virat kohli is a great example of what you just said nish and to talk a little bit more about that let's jump to uh, another incident uh, that uh, is a very good example so the india's tour of australia 2014 2015 right uh now this was a series which was preceded by the tragic uh passing away of Phil Hughes uh after he was hit on the back of the neck uh during a first class game and he died and so leading into the series there was a lot of talk about how things had to be toned down and you know how players need to be just you know keep it cool um and i remember that lasted a day or two because the contest was on you know mitchell johnson was probably at his peak during that time and there was just um and he was up against a fight of virat kohli who wanted to like set an example with the bat as a captain too because it was his first uh you know australian tour as captain so you know there were two individuals very similar in personality who wanted to be the you know the alpha dog so to speak so that was like a memorable contest in melbourne um where virat kohli faced off with mitchell johnson and you know talking about you know how certain players feed off this right so if we look at the scorecard and we'll put this link in our show notes as well um if you look at the scorecard you can see that virat kohli had an amazing game he scored 169 in the first innings and 54 in the second so by all yardsticks this was an amazing game but of course uh, amazing game for virat kohli but the scorecard doesn't talk about or cannot convey like the quality of fast bowling he had to negotiate uh particularly from mitchell johnson um so yeah going going back to your point nish that's such an important thing because i mean what is the point of verbals right it it is meant to rattle a player it's it's meant to throw them off their game uh but in kohli's case that's the exact opposite of what you want to do because it just seems to like almost like focus him like almost drive away every other distraction in his mind at that time and like you know you're talking about that meme like michael jordan i think michael jordan and virat kohli are very similar in that mindset where they take things personally it's like okay now i have to prove it to you like i'm i'm great i'm the boss and i'm going to like show it um so i, I think that ex- that test was a, a great example um i don't know if 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 this is something that can be replicated or something that you're born with um so let me throw kind of like an interesting curveball to mike um now mike when you're playing cricket right like <laughs> at a club level or any kind of cricket when well let's start with the question do players sledge you and then the follow up to that is if they do does that help you focus like concentrate or does that you know throw you off sometimes uh i mean that's happened that people have sledged um that i think the the circles that i play with i feel like everybody's seen everybody because it's more or less the same set of players is obviously some newer younger players coming in every year but um but yeah it does happen that people occasionally sledge i am not necessarily a guy who even pays attention so i'm usually just lost in my world when i'm batting so i have no idea what they're talking or even if i have an idea then yeah i'm not it doesn't really bother me um in fact sometimes i rather listen in because if there's a team which is talking in punjabi and thinking i don't understand it i have enough of an idea to know what's coming next so i try to use it to my advantage but uh but yeah what about when feeling you're 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 a wicket keeper right are are, are you the chirping yeah, kind all the time i'm okay, chatting there we go i'm on, i'm in the years all the time. <laughs> uh but i'm usually like talking positive about my team rather than uh talking negative about the batsman but yeah okay, you are you're like more like a neroshan dikawala kind of keeper not like <laughs> timpain basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'll be i'll be like 
talking mostly about my bowlers and my fielders and I'll be like, you know, cheering them on, but then there'll occasionally be an, you know, odd comment when I'm standing up to the stump saying he has no clue, man, he has no clue. You're yeah. about to get him or something like that. So Dude, that's yeah, fair I mean, play. That's, that's just part that's of the fair. game. So, yeah. I mean, again, that goes back to what I was saying. Like we are not robots, right? Like, what do you want? Do you, well, I, I guess that's not a fair question. Um, you do want to see some emotion on the field, right? It has to mean something. Show that it means something to you. Um, I, I saw a tweet or some something the other day about how India versus New Zealand. You know, it was it was an interesting game. It was an exciting game and all of that, but you didn't have any verbal altercations or anything. And then, so why can't they just replicate that India versus England? But the players are different, you know. Yeah, Kane and... is chilly with smiles, man. Like, you, know, you can't even get it. Let them get. Where are you gonna get mad at Kane Williams? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, is like smiling all the time, and he's like, you know, smashing you across the cow corner for sixes. I'm like, okay, yeah, I. How do you get this guy? Yeah, I have no problem with Virat Kohli getting fired up if that's what it takes to bring it to raise his a game, so to speak. I'm totally fine with that. As long as it, you know, obviously we've talked about this before that as long as it does not cross the line and get into, you know, like abuse of any kind, if you can still keep it interesting, still keep it creative. Um, I think that just makes up for the theater that is, you know, cricket. But but I will I will say that I kind of disagree with your assessment of that 2014 Melbourne game, Benny. Hmm. And the reason for that is, yes, he had obviously, you know, looking at the result, he had a fantastic game. Uh, 169 and I think 250 odd partnership with Rahane, who also scored a really, really good 140 odd. Um, but I think the over that it happened, the uh, you know, the back and forth between Johnson and Kohli, it was very clear that his concentration was off. And the reason I say that is it was in for those who don't remember, Kohli played a straight drive and was about to run when Johnson picked it up and threw it back at the stumps, which hit Kohli. He did not react right away. But at the end of the over, he gave some words back. And obviously, Johnson wasn't you know, shying away either. Uh, but a ball before that, he played a really loose drive at like the seventh stump, which he hadn't done at that point. And yeah, both were batting 50 plus. So both were set. It wasn't like he was new to the crease and it was just lack of concentration. So in my mind, I actually thought Johnson won that contest because even though Johnson was not trying to hit Kohli with that throw, with that back and forth, it did make him lose concentration even if it did not make any impact on the end result. So I think that was, that was an oddball, but I do agree about Kohli in general being, you know, uh, enjoying, the, enjoying the interactions and enjoying the warbles. Yeah, it's, and it's fascinating how it's almost like Kohli chooses his opponents wisely, like, you know, who he can deal with. Uh, I mean, obviously Mitchell Johnson in that particular incident, uh, but coming back to the England series, you know, much has been made of the battles between Jimmy Anderson and Virat Kohli over the years, you know, how Jimmy had the wood over him back in, what's it, 2012 or 2011? Uh, no, 2014, right? Yeah. So, but then obviously the follow-up series, like he did well, but and now, you know, in the current series, again, it looks like uh, Virat has not yet kicked on, but uh, it's fascinating how certain players managed to get under the skin and, Jimmy Anderson does this quite a bit, and it's not just India. Uh, you know, for the next incident, uh, we're going to actually talk about uh, the Ashes, where um, 20, the, uh, the Ashes series of 2013 and 14, um, the first test, Jimmy Anderson versus Michael Clark. Uh, let me pull up the scorecard here. So in this game, um, Australia batted first, scored 295, featuring a 64 from Mitchell Johnson. Um, and then England got bowled out for 136. And then Australia batted 401 for seven, uh, led by centuries from Warner and Michael Clark. And then England were bowled out for 179. And, you know, Australia won the game. But the main uh, text or the subtext of this is, especially the third innings where Australia were batting, and Clark scored that century. Um, there was this concerted short ball strategy against Clark, uh, where Stuart Broad was used as the enforcer, and they kept just bowling uh, quite a few short deliveries to him. And Clark was visibly annoyed and frustrated. 
uh, which was really the catalyst for what happened. Very similar to the Lords game where, you know, the game was pretty much in the final stages and Jimmy Anderson comes out to bat. And we are going to play a clip from what happened um, when Jimmy Anderson came out to bat in the fourth innings of that game. There's a few words being exchanged between him and George Bailey. And Michael Clark striding up. And the umpires are getting involved, so it's on at the middle of the over at the moment. Clarky, give him a set of umbugs. It's all getting a little bit nasty, isn't it, towards the end here? There's probably no need from well, either side's point of view, really. Australia, 388 in front. Jimmy Anderson's not happy about some things that have been said. So I, I completely forgot about David Lloyd's commentary. Give them a set of handbags. Uh, Mike, thoughts? Yes, I think it's, um, it's, it's an interesting scenario because like you... Like you said, you know, it started with Clark getting a bunch of bouncers and then Australia are one wicket away from winning the first test and very, very comfortably, as you as you said, you know, they're 388 ahead. Um, it's been extremely one-sided, uh, but things get heated. And in the end, Australia end up winning not just the test, but the series 5-0. So to say that that verbal had any impact whatsoever, it's. I think it's very silly to say that. I, I think Australia were well ahead in that series, in spite of England having a decent lineup with Cook, Peterson, and and the likes. Uh, so I, I again, it's one of those incidences where I don't think there was an eventual impact in the result, unlike Lords. Yes, but it, it does raise another important point though, because this was a, an interesting topic of debate on um, the third day of the of the Lords game too, is the tactic of bowling short balls to tail ender batsmen or batsmen who are not really skilled. And I know, Mike, you, you wrote about this too. Um, because yes, you know, in, in the large game too, when Anderson came out to bat, we were already looking ahead to India's batting because for all intents and purposes, we're like, okay, this innings is done. So just the tactic of bowling short balls to Anderson seemed like, why would he need to just bowl fast and straight? He's going to be out, right? And, and similarly here, the game was pretty much done when Anderson came out to bat, but Obviously, Michael Clark, uh, Michael Clark vented his frustration because of all that had happened in previously in the game, and you know, and he took that out on Jimmy Anderson in that moment. And it all goes back to even if it does not uh, have an impact on the game anymore, you're still making a statement. You're like, "This is what we're going to do because we're mad." Because that's what it essentially comes down to. Whether it was Jimmy Anderson, uh, whether it was Boomra bowling those short deliveries to Jimmy Anderson, or the English bowlers doing that back to Boomra and Shami on the fifth day. So let's take a moment to just talk about that because I know this is a, a debate. Do or should there be a stricter enfor for, uh, you know, enforcement of that law that is there um, for essentially when they're talking about batsmen who don't have the skill to cope up with this, uh, you know, they should not have to deal with this level of fast bowling or like deliveries that could harm them. Like, what is your take on that whole thing, that whole debate? Because there was a lot of questions raised as to, there was even that article that, yeah, if they had called it free hit, you know, that would essentially not be an incentive uh, for them to bowl those bouncers. So uh, I think, yeah, I, I, the, the problem with this law, the law 41.6, which is about dangerous bowling is, as you said, the, the question you asked me was based on the skill of the batsman. Now that itself is very subjective. Um, for somebody who's playing his 160th game, sure, we have a good idea of how Anderson bats. Um, you could argue we have a good idea of how Bumrah bats with 20 games as well. But there's going to be cases where um, you know, a bouncer at 145 at, at Gaul in Sri Lanka is different from that at Gaba because it's just a much quicker wicket. Um, and then there's obviously going to be cases where the tail ender might be a debutant or something like that. So the, the empire may not have any clear way of understanding what the skill level is. So my, my issue with this law is let's make it consistent. Let's just say, hey, 9, 10, 11, we're not going to bowl any bouncers. Um, and by the way, bouncers just means above the shoulder. So you can still bowl at their chest. 
so that's totally fine. You can still soften them up. Uh, but, you know, let's have that absolutely like no gray area sort of law rather than having this law, which almost reminds me of spirit of cricket and that kind of crap, which, you know, is very subjective and, and uh, can be debated either way. Yeah, I, I think this is a bunch of baloney, really. It's like, you know, like you have the same set of tools available to you and the learning opportunities, right? And you have, it's, you know, everybody comes with the same gear, you know, they have the same coaches, they have the same structure. It's not like bowlers, you know, if you want to spend extra few hours on the net, spend the time in the nets, right? Develop the skill, right? Why do you want to alter the game just and add another complication to an already complicated game? It doesn't make any sense to me. Just leave the game as it is and you know, then we can start adding like, you know, asterisks to every aspect of the game and start tweaking and, you know, um, chopping and changing constantly. I, don't, I disagree with this completely. And the issue is when it becomes a question of is this, is this a statement or is this an actual strategy, right? Like if you're going to be bullying bouncers to tailenders, are you making a statement that if we're mad, Either way, it shouldn't matter. As long, either way, it shouldn't matter whether it's a statement or a strategy, as long as it's within the confines of the laws of the game, right? It should be good to go. It's fair game. Okay. And, and I, I guess I agree with Nish. I, I, either way, it shouldn't matter, but I don't really know how many teams, international teams worry about making statements. I, I don't, think that's really a concern for anybody like making a statement I mean, wasn't that what it was essentially when they were bowling all those short balls to Bumrah and Shami because it didn't seem like a strategy to get them out they kind of wanted to rough them up is what the sense I was oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly why I'm saying like Lords was probably the exception but other than that whether it's you know the 2013 Ashes test whether it's uh, you know Johnson bowling that to Kohli the, I don't think it was ever a statement it's part of a plan mm. to keep changing the length keep uh, keep the batsman you know uh, keep the batsman guessing and I think that's all it is like at the end of the day nobody really cares to you know go home and say oh I made a statement doesn't matter what the result was no the result is everything that's the, the basis of that is how they keep their jobs or they lose their jobs so I think that statement might be a moment of you know emotion or whatever it might be but um i don't think teams do that often enough or uh, and they shouldn't I, it doesn't gain them anything well keeping on that theme though because when it's part of when it's all part of a strategy it's fine it's pure theater the crowds are entertained and it's a memorable game of cricket but when things go off the rails and players lose control as the next incident we will talk about clearly shows. Um, back in 2014, again, what a year. <laughs> uh, three of our incidents seem to be in that same time range where everyone seems to be mad at each other. Uh, India's tour of England, um, Anderson and Jadeja in this, in, uh, in this incident. Again, Jimmy Anderson, a common culprit yet again. Um, so there was this whole uh, deal where I think it was during the lunch break where the players were walking back. Um, there was, it, it was Amazoni and Ravi Jadeja walking back, Jimmy Anderson also kind of at the same time. And we don't know a lot of what has happened. There's been a lot of articles, there's been hearings and all of that. But the crux of the matter is words were exchanged. There's been accusation that Jimmy Anderson pushed Jadeja. So this may not necessarily be an example of how it impacted the game, but it does raise an important issue of letting emotions get the better of you and veering into this dangerous territory where, you're, I mean, cricket is not a contact sport. You know, there is no reason for one player to come into contact with another. And this is, I mean, I mean, cricket is littered with incidents where players have almost got into physical confrontations. Uh, and this is an example where things could have gone real bad because I feel, <laughs> let's be fair, if Jadeja and Dhoni wanted to take on Anderson, it would have gone, it would have ended pretty quickly. Um, but all of that to say that I feel that's an example of things that could have really ended up uh, really bad. Um, so Nish, um, you know, looking back at that incident, you know, like the whole incident with Anderson and Jadeja, uh, it, it boils down to verbals again right because it's not about it was not we're not talking about bouncers here we're not talking about something that's specifically happened on the field but it almost feels like these mental games you know these mind games that you're trying to 
you know, kind of disturb the player, unsettle the the player. Um, what is your take on 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 that? Like, you know, just apart from the actual cricket, just playing those mind games. Um, growing up watching the Australians do it, um, you know, as if they were paid to do it, you know, they were not. <laughs> But you know, it it definitely like you know, um, being in the receiving end, which most other countries were, including you know, we as fans, you're like, why is this guy chirping, right? Like. Look at poor Venkatesh, Venkatesh Prasad. He doesn't do anything. Like, you know, Javagal Srinath, right? Like, who, why would you want to, like, go and talk to Javagal Srinath about anything other than, like, you know, academics or something, right? Like, so, um, I come from a school of, like, you know, I, at least until Virat Kohli came into the scene, there is <laughs> um, school of, you know, like, maybe we should limit the verbals and just focus on cricket. And, you know, if there are any chirps here and there, sure, go with the flow. But don't put extra energy into it where it clouds your, you know, actual focus which is your game and right and your eventual output right but i think it it adds a nice flavor to the game right now that i've seen enough cricket uh, being in the receiving end and being at the giving end right which is what india is today but i think we are the most chirpiest country out there uh, playing cricket after australia went to multiple investigations and reviews of the culture and all that yada uh, yada yeah right So it adds a, it adds a definite flavor um, and spice to our game, and I would like it to be there. Um, but having said that, you know it does. It, it's it's emotions, right? We can't keep it bottled up all the time. Sometimes things get personal, right? For example, um, Sarvan versus McGrath, right? Things got really personal mm-hmm. there. But yeah, many years down the road, down the road later, um, we understood that Sarvan obviously did not have any idea of McGrath's. wife's uh, condition right so in- initially it looked very ugly it-, it is still ugly right at the face value it's very ugly so we don't want to yeah. see another repeat of that but at the same time a few chirps here a little bit of banter there a little bit of banter here would you know never really i don't want to be too old school and say oh there's no part of the game it's, it's a no contact uh, gentleman sport no no it's 21st century right if you want and it's sport right you can still shake it off and have a beer or like you know uh, enjoy after the game but in the game it's it's, it's fair game you know So I think it should be there. There's a part um, for it to play yeah. in kind of unsettling players. And I would like to see it um, continue. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think you talked about like, you know, it shouldn't cross the line. And I think that 2014 incident was where somebody crossed the line because there was physical shoving. So, I mean, you're at the end of the day, that is where you draw the line in my mind. But yeah, you can chirp as much as you want. You can call each other's family, whatever names you want. Um, that's totally fine. That's all all fair game. But just our I mean, audience, we don't encourage that. But it's just fled <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. responsibly. <laughs> but, yeah, sorry, man. Go ahead. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the moment it gets physical is is where it gets a little crazy, and I think. that's exactly where anderson or allegedly anderson went when that 2014 incident and um it, it seemed like dhoni also corroborated jadeja's story and he said yep he saw anderson do that so in in my mind like that is where you absolutely cannot cross the line it is not a physical sport uh, even if it's you know in on the way to the dressing room if it's hidden from cameras it does not matter that is just not cool that's that's equivalent to uh david warner punching you know Joe Root or Quentin de Kock, whoever he did, I forget, um, off the field at a bar, and and that that's when you've gone too far, and you need to you know think about what you're where you're headed to. Yeah, I'm totally fine with players being creative and almost funny. And again, there are many um, incidents where players have sledged and actually made the other player just amused. I mean, we saw this again with uh, Niroshan Dikwela against. Sibley, I believe, you know, it was, you can't even like get offended, right? Like I think Sibley barely kept it together because he was just, like, he didn't know what to say. It was so thrown off. Um, and, and that's just a good example of where you can unsettle a player without, resor- without resorting to personal abuse. And uh, I mean, it actually made me think of this other thing. I, I wish I could remember which player exactly but it was involving an indian player and some side like england or australia where i think the the bowler was you know sledging the indian batsman uh, who was actually like a tailender so to speak and after this had gone for a while the tailender turned to the senior partner and was like 
I didn't understand a single word of what he said. What was he saying? Uh, so, you know, those kind of things, you know, it's, it's funny. It's part of the game. And, you know, it, as long as it's all within, I'm not going to say spirit of the game. I'm not going to say it. But as long as it, you know, everyone is, you know, still just it, it uh, ultimately it's still a battle of skills on the field. I'm totally fine with it. Uh, which brings which brings us to our final incident that uh, we're going to talk Just about. One one point before we go to the next event, sure. right? Like, I think if if we if bowlers or batsmen don't chirp, right? It kind of like you know looking back at the bowlers who chirped, right? Like there are so many that come to mind. McGrath comes to mind. Shane Warne comes to mind. It just I don't know. Maybe I'm being very romantic about it. It just takes away the player that we've you know built uh, them to be in our heads, right? And I don't like that, right? And for example, um, Andre Nell, right? That that guy was pretty much, I think, mm-hmm. reciting a book to the batsman, right? Like every ball he goes and has a conversation, you know. Yeah. It, but I don't think there was much malice in what he said, right? He always had a smile at the end of the, you know, the thing. Though Sisan took it personally and sm- smoked him for a six, <laughs> which is hilarious. But uh, I think you know th- that kind of banter, that kind of little chirp, right? Like. It's a game, you know, there's a lot of like quiet and lull in this game, right? It's not constantly, you know, it's not like soccer where it's like go, 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 right? So there's a lot of lull. So you can be creative and draw the line and like what Mayank said and what you said, like, right, no, no shoving and pushing because there's no contact sport. And then, you know, don't get too, don't, don't get personal, you know, leave family and stuff. And I this. think, and be I think most women, be creative around the ways you're playing the game, right? Till and there. Yeah, and I think most players understand that, you know, they know, okay, on, on the field, it's going to be intense, it's going to be heated, and but off the field, once you come off the field, you know, you shake hands and you share a beer, whatever, and I feel like most of Virat Kohli's opponents, I think that's sometimes they struggle with that notion where on the field Kohli is so different from off the field Kohli, um, and I think that's just the reality of sport, not just cricket, I think, where... You know, people need that intensity to really push themselves, which is why it's so, you know, incongruous. The player that you see on the field is so different, which is why, like, a lot of, you know, fans from other teams, when, you know, they get so upset with Virat Kohli and they equate that with Kohli the person, where in case of the field, Kohli is, is such a respectful opponent almost. Like, he goes out of his way to praise the opposition and, you know, say nice things about them. Um, and that obviously he doesn't do that on the field because it's completely different. Um, so th- that takes us to really the, the final incident that we want to talk about, which is, I really don't know what to make of this. I've struggled with this ever since it happened back in 2007. And to this day, I still don't get it. Uh, so Trent Bridge, again, Trent Bridge, I don't know what it, you know, makes people do because the Anderson Jadeja incident was also at Trent Bridge. Uh, Trent Bridge, 2007, India tour, England. Um, this is the famous or infamous uh, jelly beans incident. So now the context of the game is India won this game. Zaire Khan was man of the match. I believe he picked up nine wickets in the game. So Zaire Khan, so I don't even know how to break down this jelly beans incident because I don't get what the strategy was. All that we know is when Zahir Khan came out to bat, and this, I believe, was in the second innings, and he, when he came out to bat, he saw some jelly beans kind of thrown about him, and it seemed like at first he disregarded it, thinking that someone had kind of misplaced it or kind of dropped it somewhere, but then he, he said later that someone was throwing it from behind the stumps, and he was just more annoyed than anything else, not necessarily offended. And to this day, we don't know the full story. Uh, the English players just dismiss it as some sort of playful thing, like a prank almost. Uh, but the narrative since then is that incident fired up Zaire Khan to pick up five wickets in the next. Um, I'll just say that I don't really think that necessarily did it because if you see the scorecard, England scored 355, Michael Wan played 124. Yes, Zahir Khan picked up five wickets, but, you know, they still, England still batted well. Uh, it is a good story to, good story to tell. More importantly, Benny, more importantly, Benny they, Zahir Khan walked in at 464 for seven after mm-hmm. England had made 198 in the first innings. There, there was no coming back after that. It did not matter yeah. 
Zen yeah. picked one wicket or five. Like yeah. I, I think these stories, you know, like I think a lot of these cricketers buy into this, you know, mental uh, like psycho babble as cricketing view likes to call it. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's always like if whenever you try to take take a deeper dive into these incidences, you'll realize yeah, it was more execution. Maybe his execution or his concentration was slightly aided, but at the end of the day, like it did not matter. Like his execution was spot on, which is why, um, you know, things worked out. But yeah, I think he, when he walked in, they were two fifty ahead uh, with three wickets to go. I, he'd already taken four in the first innings, so it's not like he was, you know, struggling in the first innings and suddenly he came back to take five. He took four in the five first innings, came back and took five in the second. And he I, had yeah, a great series too. <laughs> yeah, he did. To add to Mark's point, he had an amazing series, and he even went on to win Man of the Series award, right? Which, which is like I still remember him coming. I I like this here, right? I still coming him him coming around the wicket and creating a really difficult angle for taking the ball away from the right-hander. So you know, it was not like he was like you know looking for a wicket or here or there like to some cheap tactics, but yeah, he did, but like grieved. Yeah. And and this is going to be the third mention in this episode of the meme about Michael Jordan. But again, that this is a classic example, right? Where you created the scenario for yourself, where you you've made a mountain out of a molehill, where you could have easily dismissed it off as a prank and just like gone about the rest of the game as you were. But it almost felt like for Zaire Khan that he he took it personally. He was like, "Okay, I'm pissed now. I'm going to do something about it when I come to bowl." When you know, as Mike said, like the natural trajectory of that game was always heading towards India's favor after that, at that point. Um, but uh, like we mentioned earlier in the episode, and this is the nature of professional sports, it's high stakes, right? Uh, when, when, when people complain about, oh, cricket used to be a gentleman's game and everyone liked each other, it was like a lot more chill. Um, that was a different time. You know, everything's high stakes. There's there's a lot of money involved, whether you like it or not. And, you know, people play for more than just pride, uh, national pride. Um, the, the need to win, right? It, it, it's a need. You have to win. You have to prove it. So there's a lot more at stake, which means players are always going to be fired up. And there's a certain kind of macho-ness to it, right? Like it's that alpha dog thing that I'm going to show who's boss kind of attitude, so in that kind of scenario, it is understandable when players try to almost motivate themselves or just like give themselves an extra spark, give themselves an extra reason. They don't need it, but they still need to fire themselves up. So I feel like characters like Zaire Khan, Virat Kohli, uh, or any other player who, who needs that extra bit of push. Uh, and this did not hurt anyone else, right? Like either the jelly bean thing itself. I mean, uh, I don't. I, I honestly think it was a harmless prank, you know, but Zarkhan just used that to motivate himself to win the game um, for India. So again, as long as it's all well within the confines of the game, you know, it's not uh, bordering on abuse or any of that, I'm totally fine with it because again, this is just a narrative, right? Like if we just remove the whole thing about Jelly Bean uh, incident, the scorecard is still going to be the same. India would still have won the game. It's just a great story to tell that, yeah, look at us, 14 years on, we're still talking about the incident. Yeah, if anything from that event, right? I think I still remember uh, Zaikan pointing the bat at the slip cord or something. And I think it's the fielders around, right? I think including KP, they were just like having a good laugh. I don't think they were having laughing at him, right? They just thought this whole thing was amusing. And I didn't feel any necessary spite from them, right? Some incidents mm-hmm. stand out for its spite, right? For example, Clark versus Anderson, right? Like Clark had a pointed point to make to Anderson with the comments. But whereas in this scenario, Zaikan walked on this pitch, he saw some jelly beans on the pitch and he thought it was directed at him. I, I don't think the English players intended that to be directed at him at all because they knew they were like well and truly like, you know, losing the game, right? They didn't want to like, I don't, I didn't get that vibe. Maybe, I don't know if you guys felt differently. I think I think it's hard to say what their intention was, but yeah, I mean, I, I that's totally... true. That's true. I'm I'm trying to read minds here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I, mean, I, I think I do agree that it it seemed like there were some of them were having fun, but I, I do think like Peterson versus Zahir became a little bit heated for a small time, but yeah, it definitely wasn't the same level as you know, Bumrah versus Anderson this test or Clark versus Anderson in that Ashes test. So um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's true, but I, I I will say that you know the one other incident that. 
comes to mind, which is worth mentioning, and I, I feel like Indian cricket fans love mentioning it, is how Flintoff sledged Yuvraj and then he had brought for six sixes. <laughs> and yeah. I went back and I looked at that over and it was a really ordinary over. Like it was a very, very ordinary over. So as much as I want to give Yuvraj the credit that, oh yeah, you got pumped and you just smacked somebody for six sixes, there was a wide full toss way outside the off stump. There was two half volleys in, in the hitting zone. Like, I mean, I honestly thought four out of the six balls were, you know, six on a good Yuvraj day anyways. Uh, there were probably two which he pulled off, which, you know, could have been 50-50 or something like that. So uh, all of that to say that in all these incidents that we've discussed, I constantly look back and try to look at, you know, the score at that point, the match situation at that point. And pretty much in almost all incidences, I felt that there was been, there's been no impact on the result with the exception of Lots 2021. And um, and in some cases, as I, as I said, for Johnson versus Kohli, I thought the sledging, the back and forth did distract Kohli, but luckily for India, it did not impact the result. Well, with that, we are going to wrap up this episode of The Last Wicket. Um, fair to say that emotions have been and will continue to be such a big part of the game. And as fans, we're not going to complain, right? Uh, and we have kind of harped on this quite a bit already, but as long as it does not bother on views and cause physical harm to anyone, if you can channelize your emotions the way that India did uh, on the fifth day of the Lord's Test and not lose your head like England did on the fifth day of the Lord's Test, it's going to lead to some uh, fascinating uh, finishes to the game, fascinating games of cricket. So as fans, you know, the more the merrier. So to our listeners, Thank you for tuning in and, you know, listening to us ramble and re- relive all those moments uh, that for better or worse, you know, they're such an integral part of the game. Uh, meanwhile, if you enjoyed this episode, do rate and subscribe to this podcast, follow us on your social media feeds and do spread the word about the show till next time. Stay safe and stay healthy.